da 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 You sound insane. Do you realize that? Yeah. The whole world got crazy. It's showtime. Feels like only yesterday, fellas, that we met on this very show and talked about this very movie, Disney's Beauty and the Beast. But this is a different beast this time around. This is the live-action version of it's Disney's Ron, Ron Perlman. Mm-hmm. Ron Perlman <laughs> as the Linda beast. Hamilton. Yeah, we're doing a long tease up to the real one, which we will review in six months. It was weird. It was weird, but appropriate for our show. And Kelsey Grammer was the beast again. <laughs> yes, just yes. We thought Very he had retired the role of the beast, but he just keeps popping up in random movies as the beast, and, and that's fine. Frazier yeah. is my beast, and always will be my beast. Um, good night, Seattle. But yeah, it feels like uh, just seriously a few minutes ago that we were talking about this franchise this movie kind of anticipating this live action reboot i remember when this was announced a couple uh-huh. of years ago and we had talked about it so this one feels like it was announced and just came out so fast Com- kind of compared to the other ones we've heard about in development i feel like the uh, little mermaid's been in development for like seven years at this point you know and we still don't know anything about that but uh that's coming down the mm-hmm. pipe here and of course the lion king is coming down the pipe we'll talk about all that but it's going to be weird to talk about this again, and uh, but this time, we've got a guest coming yeah. on the show to join us to talk, so it's not just us three yelling about Gaston for 40 minutes like it was last time. Thank you to those who sat through This that. one I'll be drooling about Gaston. Yeah. Um, Mrs. Potts was pretty fine in this one, so <laughs> be prepared for my thoughts. Um, so that'll be good. But, Brian, do we have an update on our March Madness Madness? Yeah, so there were a couple of upsets, and you listen. Thank you so much for voting, everybody who did vote. Uh, we need you to vote again. Second round is going to start on Thursday, Thursday, March twenty third, to uh, coincide with the actual March Madness tournament. Uh, so get on the website, madaboutmoviespodcast dot com slash bracket. Uh, share that Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat instagram whatever like get it out there we really need your help we want to get uh, a bunch more votes for the second round than we had for the first round there were a couple of upsets though there were a couple of upsets like uh i'm gonna i'm I'm bringing up the bracket here let me just fill in the listener let me fill in the listener we are doing this we had an episode come out last week Mm -hmm. where we talked about our favorite and least favorite kind of basketball movies just in more general terms just kind of introducing them to the uh to the audience and you can vote on them March Madness style on our website. And uh, kind of the worst ones go against the best ones and so forth, mm-hmm. similar to uh, how the March Madness basketball tournament is structured. Yeah. So what were the upsets? So let's see. I'm scrolling down here. Airbud. Uh, Airbud. The, the, six, <laughs> the sixth man, which was a sixth seed, I believe, defeated the other dream team. Maybe that was a 4-5 wow. matchup. Uh which I kind of thought that one might that one might yeah, happen, but that can go. That, that a lot was of Wayne's a, yeah. loyalty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, another four or five matchup. Basketball came through over Basketball Diaries. Basketball has has a strong push. Basketball goes up against Hoosiers in the next round, and Hoosiers Ooh. is the top overall seed. And basketball has a chance, guys. There are a lot more Lurking. basketball fans than we anticipated. Um, let's see. Blue Chips got a run for its money from Like Mike. 
which uh, fortunately fell just shy of, of cracking the second round. But goodness gracious, that was close for a little while. The two big ones, uh, Kent's chosen movie, his favorite basketball movie, Air Bud, triumphed <sighs> over Finding Forrester. I told you. Sean Connery packing. Uh, pretty, pretty I like sad, Finding Forrester, too. I do, too. I do, too. That was... Millennials really enjoy Air Bud, apparently. Probably because they don't have kids, and so they don't have to ever <laughs> yeah. watch those movies. Uh, yeah, it's it's theoretical to them. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, yeah, it's a dog you playing will, basketball. You will all regret your vote in a couple of years. I'm just letting you know. Uh, the big upset. This one This one was a was, uh, tough pill to swallow, I would say. South Carolina over Duke. Here it comes. <laughs> yeah, here it is. In a 2-7 matchup, Semi-Pro defeated Love and Basketball. I told you guys. Uh, Gosh, you're wrong. I told you. <laughs> Kid there's was love right. out there. For we were it. wrong. There's a, um, there's there's like maybe six minutes of funny in an hour and forty minutes, <laughs> but the six yeah. minutes of funny is is like you said, it should have been a funnier die sketch, not a movie. But uh, yeah, it yeah. would have been a, a great six minute funnier die sketch for sure. Yeah. So uh, look, so that was a huge upset. Love and basketball. I feel bad for the love and basketball fans. I really thought that would do better because that's a pretty popular tends to yeah. be a pretty popular movie. But uh, regardless. They lost, so you've got. I'm gonna write it up from the, on the the blog. This I don't know, probably tomorrow. I'll put that out. Just kind of doing a, a little guide to all the matchups and whatnot. Uh, I know, got, I know. We've already submitted our brackets. We've already, uh-huh. we've already kind of put them in stone, so to speak. But yep. I'm, I'm making the call now. The winner is either gonna be Space Jam, just because <laughs> everyone likes yep. Space Jam. I talked uh-huh. about it. I don't know why. I just talked about it last time. Or he got game. I think he got game is going to win. He got game. Got a little run. Yeah. So that, that one's just like a, you can't. You almost can't. Uh, you can't yeah. complain about that one. Like it's, it's so solid in so many yeah. ways, and yeah. it's kind of stand the test of time, and it's mm-hmm. really kind of uh, reminiscent yeah. of the time it's, it was it's made. The in. Wisconsin of uh, basketball <laughs> movies. Just, just real veteran, solid. 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 It's going to rebound yeah. and box out. Yeah. Yeah, yep. a lot of backdoor cuts. It's yeah, <laughs> uh, White Men Can't Jump got the most votes of any any film in the field. Got the most uh, votes in the oh, first Kansas. And, oh, Kansas. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and you know another another movie that is near and dear to our hearts that did quite well, and I'm I'm happy. I was I was a little nervous about it to be honest. Uh, the Dirk Nowitzki documentary was well, like the obviously. fourth highest rated uh, movie. Dude, in the it's good. Our audience just likes us. Yeah, that's true. They, they like us and they probably us. Fine. they they yeah. sought it out on Netflix after our recommend and yeah. fell in love just like we did. That's true with Dirk. Once, yeah. well, not just like we did. Dirk. Yeah, well, slightly less sexual than Ryan and I did. <laughs> yeah. yeah, y'all have been like head over heels for Dirk for oh yeah twenty years, almost two decades. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. Uh, that's no exact longest relationship of my life. <laughs> yeah, absolutely true. So here's your matchups for I was the second. Inv- round. I was invited to the Mavs game tonight, but I I said no just so we could record this well, episode. Wow, so you didn't, you didn't I, miss I, I love you guys so more okay. than I love Derek, which is saying something. <laughs> yeah, I don't feel the same. I can't say uh, the same thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. The two sides. <laughs> All right, here's your matchups for second round: Hoosiers versus basketball, and Ooh. Glory Road versus yeah. Blue Chips. Okay. In the Shuttlesworth region, you've got uh, He Got Game versus Above the Rim and Air Bud against Space Jam. That's going to be quite a contest. I'm really excited to see that on that purpose. One. That was <laughs> yeah. crap job by the well. committee. Yep. Well, sometimes you get a Wichita State. That's the way it goes. Uh, in, the, in the Hoyle Hustle region, we've got White Men Can't Jump against Eddie and Nowitzki against Semi-Pro. Wait, Semi-Pro Eddie, wins that match. Eddie advanced? Oh, my gosh. Eddie advanced, Semi-Pro. Yeah. 
This is basically picking your loyalty between Brian and I and <laughs> yeah. Kent. Yeah, it's true. No, it's what's going to happen is Semi-Pro is going to win. You're going to doubt everything yeah, you've ever I'm, worked I'm going to delete humanity. this page from the okay. website. If that remember, happens. guys. Ultimate karma right there for talking crap about <laughs> Semi-Pro. Okay, but remember, guys, I did Alice Through the look- Looking Glass for you <laughs> right. guys. Don't right. forget that. Yeah. When you vote, <laughs> yes, go, don't go with your heart. Go with your gut. For you did what? it because you lost a bet, not yeah. not because. No, I did it because I love the fans. <laughs> oh, okay, the yeah. listeners. I think I've made that clear over four years. I care about the listeners. <laughs> if there's anything Richard stands for, it's love for the fans. I would say. Uh, <laughs> final region in the Windy City region: Hoop Dreams against the Sixth Man and Coach Carter against Teen Wolf. Hey, so, tell you guys what: if Dirk beats. <laughs> Oh no! If Dirk beats Semi Pro, I will do a solo episode on the movie of your choosing. We'll do a oh separate poll. There you go. Please vote, Dirk. Rigging please, it. Please vote. Any Dirk. movie? Oh, we have to rig the movie now. Yes. <laughs> you can vote every five minutes. Just letting you guys know. You can just reset your vote and vote again, and it counts. So, so uh, as long as Dirk wins, then we'll have a separate poll. We'll put up ten terrible movies. I'll let you guys vote, <laughs> and I will do forty minutes by myself about it. Oh, this makes me so happy. Please get out and vote. Share it. Get it. Uh, make. Sure everybody votes as many times but as possible. But if Dirk if Dirk Let's loses to semi pro, uh-huh. you have to do the movie of my choosing. Oh, I get no. to pick I get oh, to no, pick to, any movie. No. You know, no. There's no like only one side of a bet. There's okay, always a fair. winner and loser. That's side. fair. That's fair. Okay. So if I, if, yeah. if Dirk yeah. wins, uh which his winning percentage is pretty high career wise, yeah. mm-hmm. uh then the listener gets to pick a yes. movie that I will do by myself. If Semi Pro wins, Kent gets to pick. Yeah. So that's the deal. Okay, that's fair. That's totally fair. Okay. Look right. forward and to that. All those movies are gonna be movies based in the woods. So just get ready for that. <laughs> right. Okay. So yeah, vote for that. It'll be going on the next week or so. And uh stay tuned to our social media accounts for updates and all that good stuff. And it's just a fun poll to share on your Facebook and stuff. See what your friends think about the best basketball movies. And so you know who to unfriend and people that don't like Dirk. Okay. So I think we should talk a little bit of movie news, rumors, rumblings before we talk Beauty and the Beast. So let's do that, guys. Boom. Good job. Keep, keep recording, I guess. Cool. Um, okay. So it's actually kind of bittersweet, sad that we're doing this segment right now, mm. but I don't think uh, there's been an appropriate time to do to have this conversation um, since the day. We haven't talked about the passing of the late, great Bill Paxton on the show. Mm. Uh, local celebrity Bill Paxton and uh, American Treasure candidate for sure, Bill Paxton. And uh, it's a tough one to lose. He's a guy that I think everybody was fond of in one way or the other. Just didn't hear anything but nice things about him when he passed, and everyone was extremely sad. It happened the night before the Oscars, so we didn't want to take up our Oscars episode talking about Bill, and then we we moved on to other things. But, um, yeah, it's a sad one, and he'll be missed, and he's great in, uh, in the stuff we talked about him in. I think the last thing we talked about him in big terms was um edge of tomorrow i remember he was at a big fun yeah, role yeah. in edge of tomorrow as kind of the drill sergeant there but a very versatile actor uh did a lot of tv work and uh put you know did some good stuff for cable you know when uh, network tv was the man uh bill paxton was doing stuff on cable 
which nobody mm-hmm. really understood then, but he's a pioneer in that now. Um, I remember he did a History Channel show with Kevin Costner, Hatfields and McCoys. That yeah. was like one of the first, like maybe the first big uh, kind of anthology miniseries that uh, kind of drew some attention on cable uh, a few years ago, maybe five years ago. Mm-hmm. And um, just a really good guy, good at what he did. Um, didn't work too much, really picked and choose his uh, his roles. You know, he probably could have done more. But um, he's in, you know, one of the biggest movies of all time in Titanic. And then he directed his own movies in Frailty and he did a lot of stuff. So just a really well-rounded actor, nice guy, loved his hometown where we're from and always, you know, represented us well. And that's all we can really ask for. So sad to see him go, but um, thankful for uh, what he did. Do you have any thoughts on Bill Paxton, Brian? Yeah, I love Bill Paxton. He was one of my favorite character actors. Um, just you know, Tombstone is one of my ten favorite movies of all time, and he's so good in that, in a in a very believable, uh, b- believable performance, and and kind of he's the perfect uh, counterbalance for Kurt Russell uh, in in the film. You know, they play brothers, and he's so much less serious than Wyatt Earp is, and it just makes for a really interesting viewing. Um, he's great in Apollo 13. Recently, he was really, he had a really good run on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. on ABC. Mm-hmm. He was very yeah. good in that, uh, and did kind of a, a very versatile role and kind of all over the map. Uh, a, you know, you can't think about, we talked about, uh, Alien a lot recently and we're getting ready for Alien Covenant. You kind of can't think of that universe without hearing him say, game over, man, game over. Such a cool, it's kind of weird that that's his calling card, but at the same time, very, I think very fitting to him. And like you said, Kent, he's from here, and we don't—I mean, we don't have a whole lot of successful, uh, well-known uh, actors and celebrities and whatnot who are from—not just from Dallas, but they're actually like considered Fort Worth locals. And that's—you know—there is it. If you're not from here, you—you you, know—you may not understand, but it—it's—it is different, and it's—he's always been such a cool representation for us. And uh, you know, it's—it's it's sad. It's super sad to see him go, and especially. He was only what, 61, I think, and to die of complications from surgery. You know, things like that, you just kind of feel like, well, that doesn't really happen anymore in 2017, and it totally does. And it's so it, it was a bummer to, to lose him. Uh, our friend Jason wrote a really nice eulogy for him in the, the Mad Movies newsletter this last month, and uh, I would echo a lot of the things that, uh, that Jason said. So super bummer. I'm, I hate missing out on whatever he was going to do next, and... Um, I know that there was a, a great outpouring of uh, of love and adoration for him, but I think what makes him special is that there's kind of always been that sort of uh, yeah. outpouring within the industry of of respect and 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 love, and and that's that says quite a bit. So um, I'll miss him, miss him a bunch. Richard, do you have any thoughts? Sorry, Mike was not working there. Um, I. I I am obviously very upset. You know, it's 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 certainly a loss, and I, and I liked Bill Paxton. One of those weird kind of pop culture gaps of my. I didn't even know he was from Fort Worth until the day he passed. Oh, wow. um, yeah, I didn't. No idea. I liked him and everything. I saw him in, but he was just kind of a. He was like, you know, it, the joke's been made. It was just kind of a. He was either him or Bill Pullman. I liked him in Tombstone a lot, but it was like a Dermot Mulroney, Dylan McDermott thing for me. <laughs> um, and uh, he was just kind of like, here's a, a here's a, a way to life hack. Bill Pullman was in Independence Day, and that's pretty <laughs> yeah, much it. And, and, and the other one, yeah, oh, the other Casper. one is <laughs> Casper, of course. And the other one is Bill Paxton. 
the one that no, was no, and I and I li- and I'm not saying I disliked Bill Paxton yeah. anyway or didn't care. I mean, he's just like hadn't gone down that road yet of like the Wikipedia deep dive on him or anything, and so um, certainly have done my research since his passing. But I won't pretend to have been his number one fan or anything before he died because that would be uh, uh, a lie. But he was certainly worthy of of that. So of anyone being a big fan of his, he was he was a really talented, interesting. Seemed like a very nice man above all, which is always great. And and uh, he will be missed uh, here in the in the DFW community and uh, in in the Hollywood community alike. So yeah, uh, rest in peace. I remember growing up and going to the movies at the theater. It was always a big deal to go there. I think we maybe went to four movies a year when I was growing up in elementary school around then. And I I vividly remember certain movies. Right, you know. You go see Jurassic Park or Indiana Jones. Right. You're you're gonna remember where you, where you saw that at. I vividly remember maybe the first couple movies I saw. One was Alien or Aliens, I should say, and uh, one was Titanic, and one was Apollo 13. And those were like three, maybe the three biggest movies I had seen at the time, and they all mm-hmm. had him in there in a very big prominent role. So, I, you know, from a very young age, I was like, this guy is. He's the man. I mean, he's in all these awesome. He's in every movie I love. I love watching. At, you know that I vividly remember seeing as a kid. Um, so I admired him for just kind of shaping that. And we didn't mention Twister. Twister was a huge deal when I was yeah younger. Yeah, and I think totally. that's why is. I had no interest in him because I have no interest in in Helen Hunt, and I just assigned them together. Twister was a <laughs> big movie and a crazy movie, and it put Philip Seymour Hoffman on the map in yeah. a way. Yeah, too. no, it is a crazy um, movie. It's um, it, it inspired like a whole generation of storm chasers, and uh, on the day that Bill Paxton passed, they actually like lined up and did like a BP his initials like all across the state of Texas oh, and Oklahoma, cool. just as a to say thank you to him for inspiring him to do what they do now. So that's amazing. I mean, he played a freaking role in a movie, and he's inspired a whole generation of meteorologists. Like that's nuts. Um. But he had that power, and he had that charisma, and man, it, I would have loved to see what he would have done. I mean, we saw what kind of what the roles he was going into, way more character actory stuff, way more, you know, he was pulling a Keatonissance towards the end, you know, like, I think there, uh, for, not there for tomorrow, that's a band, um, Edge of Tomorrow, and Edge of Tomorrow, we were all blown away by him in that movie, I remember talking about it on the show here. And just be like, man, why isn't he doing more stuff? This was mm-hmm. amazing. I mean, he like stole the show in every scene, you know. And uh, it was a movie that uh, had a lot of good performances and stuff. But um, yeah, gonna be missed. But I feel like we had to mention that on the show, and that's one that uh, we'll have to go back and maybe throw back to, which we already kind of have with Alien, which is coming out mm-hmm. in the next couple weeks. Here, look for that Alien episode. Get excited. But um, any other movie news, rumors, rumblings? Happenings yeah, Brian. we should talk about before we hit Beauty and the Beast here. Brian's hyped about one, so we should. <laughs> what, what do we got? Because he's already bought his tickets. Yeah. Um, and and uh, he's gone to the sporting goods store to get a tent to ca- mm-hmm. start camping out next week yep. for... Dug in the back of my closet to uh, <laughs> to find my, my large leather overcoat and uh, sunglasses. <laughs> Because Warner Brothers, Warner Brothers, right? Warner Brothers. Obviously, who else would do this? <laughs> Warner Brothers is rebooting the Matrix. You guys yeah. excited? Y'all ready? Have we confirmed? I think we actually had this question when Suicide Squad came out. 
Like, <laughs> is Warner Brothers the parent company of Hot Topic? It only makes sense. <laughs> like, how can we keep Hot Topics open for the next eight years? Uh, Suicide Squad, and then we'll reboot the Matrix, and then we'll be good for a decade, right? <laughs> it would be great if that was their business model. If it was all oh, tied together, it would not surprise me at all. <laughs> it would not surprise. There's like five companies in the world, let's, pretty much. Let's that start everything. this Reddit thread and see yeah. what happens. Let's do it. Um, yeah, the Matrix coming back. I guess good news, though. Apparently, the Wachowskis not involved or not, yeah. not good at start. the helm. Maybe they're involved mm-hmm. in a George Lucas kind of way to the new Star Wars where he's like there, but nobody ever listens to him because they know he's crazy kind of a thing. <laughs> um, I think the, the Wachowskis have, have uh, proven themselves incapable on the big screen of their visions kind of being understood by the masses. And not to say that there aren't people that uh, enjoy their, their work and they sort of have an audience, but I just think it's such a small audience. It's just not worth it for a studio to spend a $200 million movie on a on cloud atlas like cloud atlas would have been great if it if, if it was like a, a mini series on tv or maybe a netflix series or something like that something just like way more obscure and uh, you're not just throwing it at everybody you know because yeah. i definitely think there is an audience for their stuff i'm personally not their audience um i do see the value in the matrix and what it represents and its message and all that but ever since you know the first 20 minutes of the matrix they've done nothing but get worse at filmmaking which is not good you never want to just get that much worse every single time yeah um like somebody like Shyamalan that happened to but he proved like okay i'm just gonna do what i do and he does it really well and he's just gonna do that you know like i i wish the wachowskis would do that but jupiter ascending proved otherwise and um (laughs) we'll have to see but i mean if if this has any hope it's that uh they're not at the helm and that maybe somebody interesting could do something fun with this universe. I think it's a fun universe to kind of explore. I don't Two know how words. fun. Louis. Louis. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was going to say Zack sp- Snyder, but uh, he's booked oh. at the moment. But yeah. think about what he could do with bullet time and the and spinning spin- camera. And the spinning camera. You're right. Um, John M. Chu. Uh, <laughs> the, the only thing I can... I mean, what is the Matrix without Keanu? What is the Matrix without... Lawrence Fishburne, you know, what is it without Hugo Weaving? Like, I don't know. I don't know what that is. Uh, I've heard they want Michael B. Jordan to be the face of the new Matrix. Um, yeah. So that could be cool. Yeah, maybe. That, that perks me up a it little. It all depends yeah, on the director, and that's, mm-hmm. for me, yeah. that's what it depends on, is who's directing it, and that's what I'll judge it by before mm-hmm. I see it. I will see it and then judge it afterwards, but um, not expecting anything great, but not expecting anything worse than the last Matrix movie or anything, yeah. their output for the past decade. So what are your thoughts on it? I know you're excited, Brian. You already had Brian. your leather coat. <laughs> You've primed your no. leather. So you know, to nothing but corn. <laughs> you're all exclusively all Rob long. Zombie uh, for the next, yeah, for the next eight um, months. You know, I'm not as down on this as the internet seems to be, which is, you know, that's, that's fine. Um, I don't, I'm not dying to have this movie done by any means, but I don't think it's the worst idea ever because I think we, we've talked, we did a matrix episode, uh, many moons ago and Richard, not, I don't want to steal your point, but, but I think we all agreed it is very locked in time. It is very much the movie of 1999. And like by 2001, it looked kind of terrible in a lot of ways. And I know it has a lot of, it has a huge fan base and people really care about that movie and it has a lot of, I guess, influence, but 
I think that if you watched that movie for the first time in 2017, you would say, gosh, this is, this seems like it's 40 years old. Like it's just really outdated almost immediately. And it is an interesting universe. Like the, the very base concept Mm -hmm. is one that I think makes sense for movies. So like, I guess my point as always with reboots and, and remakes and stuff like that is if you, you just, I want you to choose something that actually either needs to be rebooted, which I don't know that this, this doesn't, this doesn't need to be rebooted, but at the very least has something that some kind of core idea that can be brought to the surface or could be explored in different ways. And I think the matrix falls into that category. So like if you get a good director, if you get a Denny villain away who, who won't do it because he's doing blade runner and, and probably after that he's, he's doing uh he's doing Dune. So I don't think he's going to step into a third big budget reboot, but like if you can get somebody who has a vision like he clearly does. And if you yeah. get Michael B. Jordan, and if you get writers who can put something on the page that actually uh, is maybe a little more timeless and and can transcend more than one year, <laughs> um, then I think uh, I think that's I think it's a world that is it. This is at least an idea that is worth exploring. Even though I know there's a lot of people that are Listen angry that they would reboot it in the begin, you know, in the first place. What about the name Alex Garland? Oh, that fancy screenplay for dread wrote and directed ex machina wrote sunshine wrote 28 days later got that kind of sci-fi big budget Mm -hmm. stuff that he's he's got a cool take on science fiction maybe somebody like that is who i want to see do this some like a young buddy like a david lowry who just did the peach dragon thing yeah a, a young guy who's got flair but has good sensibilities and knows when not to overdo it and can uh, breathe some new life in into the Matrix. That, I would, I'll be really excited about that. That'd be cool. I love Ex Machina, which, as we all know, is Spanish for or Latin for the the, the Machina. The, the Machina. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. No, he'd be an interesting choice. Uh, Ryan Johnson, like you said, Brian would be awesome. But like, mm-hmm. you know, how many of these big, but you know, people like to do original things as well, which I, I don't understand. Um, kidding. But uh, yeah, this. I'm with you, actually, Brian, surprisingly. You know I'm not as high in the Matrix as you guys. But it's certainly a world worth exploring, especially sans Wachowskis. Um, and so I'd be... I'd be I Look, there's worse things to remake, because like the f- the first one's not perfect. The second and third ones are not great. So let's... But the, we can all agree that kind of general idea, like you said, Brian, is cool. So let's... Mm-hmm. Why don't we try again with someone else uh, to do? I, I think... Certainly could be interesting. I'm not as down either, but like you said, I'm waiting to see if I'll put it to you this way. I'm way more interested in this than Wachowski's making a fourth Matrix film. Oh, if, both, 100%, if those two headlines yeah. are next to each other, I'm I'm taking this blue pill <laughs> because uh, <laughs> yeah. that that's uh, that's terrifying to me. Otherwise, I agree. I totally agree. Yeah, I think so, too. Um, I just fear that they're going to go hire Zack Snyder. Or, or like, well, let's try to make it up for with David Ayer and get bring the old band back. Like that's like that kind of vision that Snyder. I just feel like he could sell them in the audition and or the the pitch. And that, yes, test footage would be awesome. Me. He'd cut like yeah. a trailer together. <laughs> right, he'd hire yeah. like a cool actor to do it. Be like, I got Leonardo DiCaprio. Something like I don't know where he'd be like, oh, and right. then it would be terrible when it came out. Right. It'll be interesting to see how well Ghost in the Shell does here in a couple weeks. Right, yeah. 
that's sort of a rebooty kind of thing. It serves mm-hmm. the original one, the animated one served as the source. So a lot of the source material for the Matrix. And we'll see if there's still kind of an audience for that. Like, uh, it's kind of sci-fi where you have to go home and read a novella to even understand what's going on. Like, I just don't know if people's minds are... Yeah, are like, like totally. they, I feel like the intelligent community, they're, like, they're going to watch Westworld or something if they want that kind of... You know, or Game of Thrones. Like, they don't go to the movies trying to be lost in a in a in a theoretical you know physical conundrum like they just want to go watch movie you know like that's why i think like a dead like deadpool did so well and and john Mm -hmm. wick and things like that they're just kind of brainless fun and get out especially you know those types of movies that you really don't have to overthink it so it'll be it'll be kind of an interesting experiment with ghost in the shell if that completely flops you know hardcore yeah. then i don't know if the matrix thing would even happen i mean at that point i mean who knows but the original matrix we did an episode on so you can go listen to mm-hmm. that our throwback we talked more in depth about what works what doesn't work 10 years later and uh, i just remember it's very green way more green than i thought it <laughs> it was and um I, i'm i'm under the camp i would love to see will smith do do it he didn't do it he he did Wild Wild West instead of the Matrix. Mm-hmm. I, I would have loved to see what what <laughs> maybe the Matrix wouldn't have fallen off like it did if Will Smith, yep. in his prime, by the way, yeah, would have done that. It would have yeah. been way different, and who knows where we would have been. But well, but hey, did the Matrix have a number one radio hit involved in it? No. Okay, yeah. then Wild Wild West made the right choice. That's true. Was it number one? I hope not. I'm sure it was. I'm Cisco, sure it was. It was like Cisco biggest, brought it off the top. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Golly, that song was everywhere for a while. Men in Black wild, and Wild Wild West. Wild. Yeah. He's probably like, which movie can I do the theme song to? They're like, you can do it for Wild Wild West. He's like, okay. You know, Got him. The, yeah. the Seven so Pounds theme song, though, was a little... <laughs> Just really dreary. Yeah. Mm-hmm. By the way, I think we're doing an episode on Men in Black later this summer. So. Yes. I'm excited. I haven't rewatched year, that movie. Twenty year anniversary time. of Men in Black, by the way. God, that makes me feel so old. Yeah. Twenty same. I remember seeing that one too, vividly. Oh yeah. Oh me I too. Ancient. Yeah. Being like, what? A summer movie that doesn't suck? It's the first summer movie in since Jurassic Park in the nineties that didn't completely suck <laughs> on every level. I mean yeah. there were some we're spoiled by by summer yeah. movies now. We think these are bad. I mean, clearly you didn't see just... Anaconda, but okay, <laughs> sure, whatever. I mean, Godzilla was considered one of the good blockbusters. No, right? no, it was Uh-oh. not. No, Uh-oh. it was not. Oh yeah, it was. Oh no, oh, dude. dude, it was killed at the time. It got no. it was killed. At the, that's what I mean. It was killed at the time, but it's still considered better than a lot of the stuff that came out oh, in the nineties. Dude, Godzilla. Uh-huh. Okay, let's play yeah. my favorite game. Play my favorite game. Let's play guess the Rotten Tomato score on Godzilla. Uh, I'm gonna Can't go first. Seventeen. Okay, Richard. Oh man, um, <laughs> <laughs> I gotta go. I'm gonna go lower just to be a jerk. I'm gonna go thirteen. <laughs> Uh-huh. Very close, yeah. both of you. It was sixteen percent. Oh, okay, sixteen percent. Gosh, off. that's atrocious. Yeah, that's pretty bad. Ugh. I'm comparing it to, to like Waterworld <laughs> and to Batman and Robin. And oh, it, there was so yeah. much bad stuff. I can't even. It got twelve positive reviews. I'm ninety percent sure nine of those reviews are positive just because of the Puff Daddy theme song. There's no doubt in my mind. Uh-huh. Batman yeah. and Robin is eleven percent. That's Ugh, that's wait, that one was five percent lower. I. It might be better than Godzilla. At least mm. it has 
Arnold screaming the Ice Age. That's what I mean. When Men in Black came out, it's like, what? I don't hate myself after watching the movie? What is this feeling? I remember, I still am high on that uh, Men in Black screenplay. I think it's really good for a popcorn movie. Yeah, it's the standard I hold all popcorn mm-hmm. movies to in terms of. It's like, better as R.I.P.D. But sure, sure. Yeah. <laughs> Remember, all right, Jeff Bridges' voice in that. Can we talk? <laughs> has enough time passed where we can talk about that? I don't. I don't want to bring it up. Really, honestly, that puts me in bad place. What didn't he have like a cigar in his mouth or something the whole time? Like I remember him having something obstructing his mouth, like he couldn't talk <laughs> because of. What was it? I I'm seeing the poster remember. in my. Yeah, his face was all warped in it. It was a creepy movie. Oh, I remember seeing that uh, the opening weekend for the for the podcast, and oh, there was yeah. like two other people in the theater, <laughs> and I was only there seriously for research. Uh, they were there because they really were looking for it. It was 9 a.m. the opening day. I, I had to see it because I was like catching a flight later in the day or something. I saw it Gosh. so early. And you, when we left, they were just so sad. Like they, I think they just sat in the theater alone <laughs> until I left, so that they could cry. Man. But uh, that one was. We did an episode on that too. So Kevin Bacon was in that movie. Forgot about that. Jeez. What, Ryan Reynolds has turned things around. I'll tell you. Oh why. my gosh! From Green yes, Lantern yeah. to that to yeah, Deadpool and the movie Life we're about to see. Yeah. Tur- in terms of just general interest, yeah. he has turned that it might, around. This might have been the low point. I would love to if. If we could get to a place in our lives where um, we could just be friends with celebrities, I would love to play a game with Jeff Bridges called Do You Remember That You Were In This Movie? Because there's no chance. If you brought up RAPD, if you just said, so, uh, Jeff, what were your... Let's talk about True Grit. Uh-huh, I love True Grit. It was fantastic. Big Lebowski, big fan. What about RIPD? Were you... How'd you feel about that? There is 0% chance that he remembers what the movie was or that he was in it i feel like like there's there's no way there's hey jeff, no way yeah remember <laughs> yeah. seventh son jeff yeah no i don't yeah. know what you're talking about remember the giver jeff <laughs> i don't i don't wait don't, there's don't. a second tron movie <laughs> yeah <laughs> yes yeah, i imagine it. that at the oscars this year when uh ryan reynolds and jeff bridges uh you know had a had a nice handshake at some point that's how they met Jeff each other. Bridges, yeah, Jeff Bridges says, "Oh, it's really nice to meet you, Ryan." And Ryan's like, "We we've done a movie together." And Jeff says, "I don't think that's true. Okay. Yeah, there's no way." Yeah. Like Liam Neeson in that. <laughs> Actually, we were in Star Wars together. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right. Slapstick. We're out of time for movie news, rumors, rumblings for this week. Catch up on more R.I.P.D. in the future. <laughs> Catch up with that rest in peace department. But uh, let's take a break. Welcome in our guest and discuss Beauty and the Beast. Boom. Hey, ma'am, fam, question for you. Do you own a small business or are you a boss? Are you looking to hire awesome people, but you just can't find somebody to fill that role? Let me tell you about ZipRecruiter.com. With ZipRecruiter, you can post your job to 100 plus job sites all with one click. In fact, over 80% of jobs posted on ZipRecruiter get a qualified candidate in just 24 hours. Find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by businesses of all sizes to find the most qualified job candidates with immediate results. That's why ZipRecruiter is different. Unlike other job sites, ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them. Right now, you can post your jobs for free on ZipRecruiter by going to ZipRecruiter.com slash mad. That's ZipRecruiter.com. Dot com slash mad. One more time, try it for free. Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash mad. Thanks to ZipRecruiter 
for supporting this episode of the Mad About Movies podcast. Hey, what's up, ma'am, fam? Kent here. And yes, if you're hearing from me, you know it's time to talk about Blue Apron. If you haven't tried out Blue Apron by now, what the heck are you even doing? Blue Apron is the number one fresh ingredient and recipe delivery service in the country. They deliver fresh meals straight to your door. All the food is fresh. It's sourced from local farms. And there's no wasted ingredients. I've been a Blue Apron subscriber for a long time now. And they have still, to this day, never let me down. There's tons of variety. Some featured upcoming meals include summer vegetable and egg paninis, soy glazed pork and rice cakes, skillet vegetable chili with cheddar drop biscuits, holy crap, and garlic butter shrimp and corn with green bean salad. So take it from me. Try out Blue Apron now. Go to blueapron.com slash mad. That's blueapron.com slash mad. Get three meals on us for free. Nothing goes better with a movie than dinner. So check out Blue Apron, blueapron.com slash mad. Blue Apron, a better way to cook. We are joined by a guest this evening to discuss the live action reboot, remake, sequel, explanation of Beauty and the Beast. And uh, he joins us remotely via the technology of the internet. Christian Fox, what's up, man? Not too much. How are you guys doing? Good, man. Good, Good to have man. you. Doing great. Thanks for joining us, man. I'm glad to be here. Yeah. Well, what we Looking do, I know, I'm sure you know by this time, what we do with all our guests is kind of put them through the ringer. We're going to ask you a series of questions and just we kinda, make you read seven articles on the ringer. No, yeah. Actually, no, I've, I've never listened to the show before. I have, I have no idea. What's about to happen. <laughs> oh, oh, wow. Okay, well, yeah. well, welcome. This is a gift is a gift card donation for his, for his. No. Okay. Yeah. Can't go ahead. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to ask you a, just a few questions. Um, right. First of all, have you seen Now You See Me? <laughs> uh, I, I have watched it. Um, I've, I've, I've seen the, the original and like first 10 minutes of the second one. Um, funny, story, <laughs> <You're> <laughs> funny, funny, story, funny story about that. Uh, I, when I first started listening to you guys about a year and a half, half ago, um, uh, I don't know if you guys know this, but your guys' sarcasm can some guys, uh, sometimes come across as uh, very serious. <laughs> and so for probably the first five months I was listening to you guys, I thought you guys actually loved Now You See Me <laughs> and just thought it had the greatest twist in movie history. And I kind of thought you guys were a little insane for a while. Yeah. But, you know. Well, let me and, ask you this, Christian, real fast before you get on to your review. Um, Now You See Me, great movie or greatest movie? Uh, definitely top three. Uh, okay. Gotta I'll put be you up, down you know? for greatest. Okay. Yeah. Good deal. Okay. <laughs> greatest movie. Mm-hmm. Great. We'll put you down for greatest. Um, one other question. Have you seen MacGruber? <laughs> uh, my only, uh, experience with MacGruber is listen, you guys rave about it. I'm kind of saving it for, uh, all right. Well, it's question. been good. Uh, thanks for coming on. <laughs> yeah. We'll talk to you later, but it's been fun and you've been a great guest, but see MacGruber before you ever want to live life <laughs> properly again. Anyway, no, uh, definitely see that, but that's, that's really the only two things we can ask. Um, and uh, we're happy to have you on to talk Beauty and the Beast. Uh, you know, guys, just to kind of start things off here, I was, I am totally on board with this movie. Um, the idea of rebooting this is inevitable. I mean, they'd be stupid not to, you know, with the way that, that uh, these Disney reboots have been going, these live action reboots. And um, you can take liberties with them, uh, with the source material, like we've seen with. 
say like a, a jungle book or a Cinderella, you can really kind of make it your own or you can do it the other way and remake the original. I think that's what we were kind of expecting out of these Disney reboots, right? We were expecting, oh, it's just going to be a live action version of the original. I think that when I was little, I always used to fantasize about that in Disney movies. Like, wow, what if they made Peter Pan the exact movie that I've always loved, but just with real people? And then I went and saw Hook, and I was like, this isn't the Peter Pan that I always used to love, but I love it. You know, I it's different. It's not the Peter Pan story that I know, but it told its own story, and I liked it, you know? Um, so as a kid, I I would think that most kids seeing this would be super, super stoked that this is basically just a shot-for-shot remake of the animated movie in a lot of ways. Um, but um, I don't know if kids nowadays give a crap about Beauty and the Beast. It came out in 1991. I don't know if that's something that is in their zeitgeist anymore. So is this Beauty and the Beast going to be their first exposure to it? And in, in turn, is that going to make them hate the animated version if they see it uh, after the fact because they liked the original one or the anim- I mean, the live action one so much. So I'm very confused on kind of the perspective to go into this with. But uh, like I said, inevitable that this is going to come out. It's a, made $170 million without even thinking about it over the weekend. It's going to be uh going to be a big hit for Disney to kind of start their 2017 campaign, which looks to be strong to quite strong uh, as the forecast looks. But um, Mm -hmm. yeah, this was kind of maybe exactly what I expected it to be. I think we kind of had these feelings from the trailers and we talked on the show. We we feel like this one's going to be more true to the animation than the other Disney reboots have been like a Maleficent or even Alice in Wonderland was. And I think we were right in that assumption. Uh, to the degree of that is up for debate, but I think we kind of got what we asked for with this. And um, I still don't know how I feel about the way they went about it, but let me just say this is one way to go about it, is to just, let's just do that, right? And there's a certain aspect of it that would feel cheap if you didn't do exactly what people want. If if you didn't open the movie with the... uh the bell, you know, provincial town sequence, right? Like that, there's almost no other way it should have been introed or there's no other thing that should have been there, you know, Um, and to a certain extent. So I can see that perspective too of, I want my Beauty and the Beast and I want my same songs and I want my bell to look like this and wear this dress and I want, you know, the ballroom to look like this and Mrs. Potts to be here. And there's people that they're so into the original that they don't want it changed. They don't want a new telling. They don't want a new vision of it. Um, so you got to kind of please those people. So I think this movie really set out to to do that, to please the old fans, but try to push it a little bit too, to varying degrees of success along the way, in my opinion. But um, those are my general thoughts. I'm excited to talk specifics about the differences and changes and all that to this. But um, Christian, the guest. What are your general thoughts on this movie? Um, well, my uh, my general thoughts, I, I love the original. It's probably in my top five movies. I'm um, looking back on it as a kid. Yeah. Um, before I haven't watched that movie in probably about eight years, though. And I was really scared with this uh, remake, kind of like you guys, because I kind of assumed it was just going to be like shot for shot remake, which it, it kind of sort of was. They, they made some small changes. But mm-hmm. so I kind of stayed away from the original one. Um, I didn't I wanted to have at least 
some feeling of nostalgia, I guess, going into this movie. I was kind of hopeful that it would uh, surprise me in some ways and at least provide some sort of entertainment and maybe uh, give me a fond look back at my childhood and, and my memories with the movie. Sure. Um, I, th- th- there were definitely parts of this movie that I, I really, really enjoyed. Um, <laughs> but there were also some parts that, uh, that, that were kind of, I don't know, kind of irritating to me and that th- this movie was like over two hours long. Um, but still some crucial scenes felt rushed to me. And I don't yeah. know if that was just because the original I watched as a kid and things seemed to move slower as a child, but man, there are some scenes, uh, especially in the first half of this movie that I feel were, were just so rushed and it doesn't quite make sense for a two hour movie. Yeah. Good thoughts, Brian. Yeah, I would echo that. It's a, we talked about the, the animated, uh, version a few weeks ago. That's a classic. That's one of the, I think one of the the very best Disney movies of all time and, and easily one of the, the most uh, hyped people, people still really, really care about, about that movie. Um, and I think it's, it's starting to make an impression with younger viewers as well. I mean, I, I know my kid really enjoys watching it and um, the Blu-ray version has been a big player over the last couple months in my house. And, and I think in other, other houses as well. Um, you know, I'm, I'm torn on this one. This is a hard one to review to me because a, because I we've, <laughs> we've already heard from a lot of people who really enjoyed it. Uh, and it's been kind of divisive. The there's a divide between critics. If you look at rotten tomatoes, I think this is hovering around 70%, which is still pretty solid. But if you counterbalance that with, uh, I, what I feel like most fans have, have come out saying, 70% feels like an insult compared to what uh what they have have tended to to think. I feel like I feel like I feel like I've heard from a dozen people who are like this is the best movie I've seen in in a year. And I'm like, "Oh my. I I geez. can't I what can't we... get there. I can't get there." <laughs> what are um, we Go to the movies, people. That's all I got to say. Like, it's, once. you know, look, hey, it, it's fine. It's fine. It, this is people's opinion, but I do think a lot of it is nostalgia for the original um, I know our friend Emily, who's been on the show a couple of times, she loved this movie. And but this is one of her her very favorite Disney movies to begin with. Um, and I so I think there's some nostalgia built in. There is a there's a lot there's, to me. There's a lot to like about the movie. Um, and it is there is a certain element of kind of that Disney magic that. You know, I really I like Cinderella. The the live action Cinderella, we we all did. We all liked that quite a bit more than I think we anticipated. And uh but this movie in it in its highs, it blows Cinderella out of the water, I feel like. The 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 magical element and uh the better set pieces and songs and 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 whatnot, those are really great sequences. And the visual the visual side of it I think is very strong. The valleys are are quite, are very difficult for me to figure out. Like it's, I think Christian, you're right. It's sh- this movie should not be two hours and ten minutes long and still feel rushed and yeah, still feel so locked into the animated version. And while I'm not, I'm not necessarily upset that this does play for about, I guess about, I would guess about eighty percent of this movie is a shot for shot remake of the, uh, the animated one. Um, I'm not, I'm not necessarily upset about that, but I do feel like it, it, at times it felt like a missed opportunity to try to, 
to bring a slightly dif- different interpretation, to bring a little more to the movie, to do what, you know, Cinderella is a lot closer to the source material than it is to the animated movie. And the Jungle Book was far closer to the source material than it is to the animated movie. And I, I feel like that's, that's something that is missing from this movie in particular. So, like, I, the stuff that, I, that is good in the movie, I liked it a lot. And I, I had a good time watching the movie as a whole. But I do feel coming out, I'm just like, man, it, it feels like there was some meat left on the bone. It feels like there was something else that could have been done here, could have been done there that would have made this um, not just a fan service really um, fun and sort of magical night at the movies, but also could have made it a truly good movie that could have been something closer to like the Jungle Book that for me was a blast. I had so much fun watching it. It was, it did kind of have a little bit of the Disney magic and it was, for me, it was one of my top 10 favorite movies of the year. Like it was a really good movie. And this is sort of stuck in the, in the middle there between, it doesn't really have enough ambition to me. Like visually it does, but not story or narratively and certainly not um, in the, the main characters. This is a rare movie where like the supporting, to me, the supporting work is so much better than than the leads are and that you know that's that's a testament to luke evans and josh gad and and even kevin klein at times but it's it's also kind of a an indictment of of emma watson and what they did with with the beast um i don't think you can really hang that on on dan stevens because he's in a mask the entire time but it's it there is something left there that I would have liked uh, a little, I would have liked to have been different. I would have liked it to have been better in some of these sequences. So that's, that's very in-depth general thoughts. I apologize. Uh, Richard, where do you stand on this? How do you feel? Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of right there with you guys. So, you know, Brian, I I agree with your difficulty in this. So I'll try to bring up some other specific um, things because, you know, I don't want to just echo everything you said. Uh, You know, I we're spoiled a little bit, with the last couple, like you said, with, with jungle book and Cinderella, uh, the really, really interesting, fun movies with, uh, not as much intellectual, like I don't know, not as much of a fan base, existing fan base as beauty and the beast. Uh, you know, I don't know how beauty and the beast plays with, with kids, but I know that like every per, you know, male and female, you know, probably 20 and up, has seen this a hundred times. It's the only Disney movie, the animated version, I, sh- I should say that I've seen as an adult. Um, and, uh, the, you know, of, of the originals. So it's, it's, it's tough to say. I think the the key to both jungle book and Cinderella is they have really, really strong directors with even right. on accidental days are going to be, um, interesting and sort of visionary. You know, I th- this movie is very adequately directed. It's not shoddy yes. in any way, but it's kind of placeholdery. It's just like you know, it's it's when they get uh, you know, just you know, when they get you know, when John Lasseter directs a Pixar movie, it's different than when they just get some animated guy that's been an animator there for twenty years to direct mm-hmm. one, right? Sure, you can kind of tell. Um, and this one felt like that, which stinks because it's such a beloved property. It's not. It's not a bad movie whatsoever. I don't. I don't think. And is it fan servicey? Yes. 
Is it also a live action remake of Beauty and the Beast? Yes. So of course it's going to be fan. Everyone that's using fan service is. I hate fan service more than anything. But if it does exist in the culture, well, of course it's going to exist here because that's what this. I mean, that's sure. the criticism you make when this movie is announced, not when it's produced. Of course it's fan service. The whole point is <laughs> of this is to make people right. nostalgic right. and happy. And oh, by the way, to make a billion dollars while we're at it. Right. Exactly. Um. So I don't really. That's that's like boring to me. Everyone going on their blogs about that is that's like that's boring criticism to me. But but that's not to say it isn't. Uh. But you're right. You know, Emma Watson's great. She's a good actress. I, I'm not sure she's a movie star, and this is such a movie star part. Yeah. Um, and Dan Stevens is just boring. I thought he was kind of boring. Again, I, I don't mean to put it on him. Just supporting Crash great. Emma Kellen was great. Um, you know, the, every, everything kind of supporting was awesome. Uh, and, and this movie does have some fun moments, but it, it feels, you know, it feels like a theme park ride kind of in a way. I mean, it's got it's got big jumps and falls and and boring parts where you're kind of chunking up the roller coaster before you plummet and that's kind of the point so i hate to criticize criticize it on that front but at the same time it's not uh i wasn't i was never not aware that i was like watching i was never i was never lost in the show i was yeah. always kind of yeah and this is something you kind of have to get if it works like great live theater and like um you know great great things like this you get lost in it and you and you kind of lose yourself and you're in the whimsy and stuff and you're right brian there's moments of of real magic but i was like always sitting there looking at my legal pad very aware that i was i was in a movie theater so uh interesting movie it's gonna make a ton of money from a you know we always try to bring all sides of perspective of movies to this from a business perspective of course you have to make this and it's been an enormous success and will continue to be uh, and it could have been a trillion times worse and still been very successful. Props to Disney for always putting um, at least a lot of production thought into it. Mm. And I wouldn't even say it's a swing and a miss. It's just a, it's a solid single or double. It's, it's, it's fine. Uh, but could, you know, this is such a cool world. Uh, I think it could have been grander, but, but, you know, so could I. <laughs> yeah. You know what it felt like a bit to me? And I hate to say this. But I remember watching on YouTube a couple of years ago, there were some faithful, faithful fans out there who recreated Toy Story using actual toys. Like they shot for shot remade Toy Story. This is what this feels like to me. It feels like you would see a headline on BuzzFeed, fans re faithfully recreate opening sequence from Beauty and the Beast. You know what I mean? And this would be the exact thing. You'd be like, oh yeah, that's really cool. I didn't need to see that. The old one's still you, great, but you, it's really uh, you, admirable that they did that, you know, kind of a thing. So what it feel it felt like a fan fan made movie or something like that. Like, hey, we all really like the original, so let's just do exactly that and uh yeah. that's it. Yeah. Call are it you a day. subtweeting are you subtweeting Brian and I's claymation remake of the show Girls? <laughs> no, I'm not. Okay. Because that kind of felt like you're throwing shade, and we're pretty proud of that. <laughs> the claymation Except girls is going to be our hit, version though. of girls is just Adam Driver and Matthew Reese, though. That's <laughs> weird. That doesn't make sense. It's just yeah. no. It, it's it. It felt very plastic in a way, and I agree with you, Richard, when you said you just didn't get lost in it to a certain extent. Um, it felt you said amusement parky on the uh, from the highs and lows of the story. It felt amusement parky like they shot this at Disney World. You know, it didn't. <laughs> It felt like a set. It didn't feel like any town. You know, it it felt like they were so meticulous 
in recreating the animation that they completely forgot like oh that doesn't that only works in animation it the perspective doesn't work in real life like houses shouldn't look like that you know what i mean and um I, i'll tell you when the movie opened and uh the song starts playing the bell song starts playing and they like pan down in the same way to the city and then she comes out and she's like little town it's a quiet village and it's like way worse than the original singer was <laughs> and i'm just like oh no what are what have what are we about to do you know for 2 hours um emma watson's fine as an actress i i mean i'm not a harry potter fanatic but I think she's fine, you know? She doesn't do much for me. I don't know. I think you might be right. She might not be a movie star. She certainly can act, but um, I just never really got it. She can't sing. I'm glad as heck she wasn't in La La Land. I mean, there's auto-tune like crazy all over this movie for, for yeah, her right. stuff. I mean, it's like bad. It's like Kanye West remixed it or something. <laughs> like, she just got the vocoder from that and it's gonna sing... Uh, you know, be our guest or whatever it is. But it it was very noticeable um on that from that front. Uh she I don't know if she could pull that off and like like they maybe wanted her to. I mean the fans probably they all love Emma Watson. I mean that's all I've heard is that Emma Watson is like a goddess after this movie and I just I thought she was she was acceptable. She was she was fine, you know? Um but yeah. nothing nothing certainly to write home about but I think uh, Gaston and LeFou carry the movie. I think they're the most entertaining, oh, fun yeah. parts of the movie. And yeah. um, they really do bring some life and perspective into this thing. And man, some of this stuff, though, some of the reasons we, we actually talked about last week is that we like the animated movies because it's such a commentary on life and acceptance and women's roles in society and you know, not being chained down to the people that people tell you to be around and things like that. I mean, it does that all without saying it, right? It's like subliminally teaching kids these lessons. This movie yeah. takes those ideals from the original and just says them. Like, there's a moment, I think it's in the original, the opening sequence song, where she stops at the library and they say, A woman reading? Oh, yeah. and I'm just like, Are you really? You really had to say that, you know, like, uh, they, I think they didn't person... even stoop to that level in 91. I'm just saying like a woman with a book, shame on you. I you think, with it, I, I think one of those characters actually said, we must put a stop to this. We must yeah. put a stop. There you go. Oh, that's so in your face. Like, oh, with, oh, I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Um, I just didn't, I didn't think it would be that that out there and there's there's changes to this that i like and i want to talk about those but um mm -hmm. anybody else have any uh more specific thoughts brian maybe on emma watson or anything yeah like that? look i i'm a little bit i'm gonna go take a slightly different tack i didn't mind her singing voice it's definitely she's not a <laughs> she's not a good singer she's not a particularly good singer especially but i you know, you can criticize the song and dance of La La Land. And in, in fact, I think that was most people's biggest criticism coming out of La La Land was you did a musical and you got two people that aren't great singers or yeah, great dancers. She, I think she would have been fine in that because it's that kind of range for her. Yeah. Well, like my for this movie, I'm OK with her with her singing voice because it did seem um, I don't know. There's there's something to be said for like. 
this girl for my reality brain to be like this is we're supposed to be this poor girl in a tiny yeah. provincial french town and so i don't know that she would have the greatest singing voice in the world so that like for whatever reason that works in my but in I, my brain to counterpoint and i'm i with all due respect and i i, I see and value that point it's disney she's got to yeah, be a perfect that's singer. what i mean and, you know what it i mean like, we're acting like we haven't heard a perfect singer sing all these before yeah, you know what sure. i mean it's it like exists, if we had heard you know, Idina Menzel do La La right. Land before it, of course, we'd be like, yeah, Emma Stone sucks because we just heard <laughs> yeah, like the no, best singer that. ever do it, you know? I, yeah. It's actually pronounced Adela Dezine. <laughs> oh, sorry. Sorry, John. Um, Wicked no, talented. I, I get that. I like, you know, it. it's, there are moments in this movie where her voice is highlighted very well because it is so, I don't want to call it weak, but it is lesser than everybody else around. It's her. emotive, right? And it's, it works. It kind of works for me. Like the opening set piece worked for me really well. I really liked that sequence because it it set her apart, not just her voice, but the way she's. I think they they choreographed that very well to have her moving through the town in an oblivious sort of uh, you know head in the clouds sort of way, and I liked that. And I thought the voice fit that that particular song. There's a couple of other songs, you know, when she runs out of town and goes up onto the hill, like Sound of Music, that was when she is featured so prominently. Um, it doesn't it doesn't work. And I'm personally, I'm much more concerned with. When I could hear her voice, I was OK with it. When I could hear her voice while watching her sing, it, I was really bored out of my mind. Watching, yeah. She's not interesting on screen. And I'm, I'm the biggest Harry Potter fan in the world. And I thought she was really good in most of those movies. I don't think that she, you know, you guys say, I don't know that she's a movie star. I'm not sure that she's a leading actress, period. Yeah. Like, I just, I don't think she, she doesn't have the charisma or the charm or the, honestly, she's just not interesting to watch on screen. And that's fine in some roles and, and maybe even in some leading roles, but, but in this, that is so much about you're supposed to be in love with these two main characters and you're supposed mm -hmm. yeah. to want them to fall in love and be enthralled by their, their weird sort of bestiality romance. And, and instead I just was kind of like, I'm really, when she's on screen, I'm just not, I'm not interested in what she is doing. And I, I was surprised by that because I've seen her in other stuff and I've always found her to be passable at least. And then, you know, add to that my Harry Potter love. Um, but this is, to me, this is a very concerning and maybe I'm totally wrong. Maybe the circle in a couple of months proves me wrong or whatever else she has coming down the pipes. But this was a performance that this is your opportunity to really show what you are capable of as an actress. And I think it was, I think she is by far to me, the worst part of the yeah. movie. Like this is a whole grade lower because of, of her acting than if I don't, whoever is in that role, you know, and we need to throw somebody else. Yeah, and we need to throw it to Christian in a second. But it's not to me that she's even a bad actress. She may grow up and be not grow up. She's an adult woman, but she may continue her career and be Julianne Moore and be sure. wonderful. But she's not Julia Roberts. Yeah, and so and this movie needs a Julia Roberts. And so and so it's just it's not that she's bad. She's just not right. Does that makes sense. To put it. Yeah, and and so I and I don't really know who that person is. Is it is it? Anne Hathaway eight years ago, maybe. I don't know, but it's just, it's such a brassy, it's Disney. It's got to be clean and brassy. And, and she's doing this kind of like, I don't know, not amateurish, but almost like mumblecore performance 
of yeah. Bell, and it just like doesn't work for me in that sense. But Christian, we need to throw it back to you because uh, you know it's it's your you know, be our guest, my friend. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah. but but uh, but what what are your thoughts on 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 Emma Watson? Well, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of lay off of of her a little bit. I I didn't think she was I, I didn't think she was that bad. I mean, she was definitely not great. She didn't she didn't make me think. Oh my goodness, this is so much better than the original. Or you know, I I I just like I have like this crush on Belle. That never really happened. She just wasn't all that charming in the movie. Um, and uh, I I'll say the supporting cast I think was was definitely a lot better than than the than the leads. Um, but I and maybe this is just me. I. I found Ewan McGregor doing a French accent uh, just seemed very off-putting to me. And it just, it didn't seem to mesh very well. And at one point I actually, I, I kind of asked myself, I'm like, is he doing a Diego Luna impression? Yeah. Or <laughs> you need to check out, he had to re-record. He's on um, Graham Norton a few weeks ago. You should check this out. And he had to go in and re-record because he said, he was very funny about it. He said he, he has a French wife, but he said he couldn't do it. He kept sounding Mexican. Yeah, and exactly. uh, and he even you know he makes fun of himself for that. So I think that was a struggle. Yeah, I, and I, I'm not trying to pick on him. Like he, he he's a great actor. I love him. I just it just didn't for me. It just didn't click uh, for that role. And I I, I don't know. <laughs> it kind of took yeah. me out of it. Um, and but my last point on uh, Luke Evans is Gaston. I, I thought I thought he was fantastic. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But for me, it's weird because the character. I found myself halfway through the movie rooting for Gaston, and I yeah. just. I, I I just remember as a child there was no way I was ever going to root for that man whatsoever. I hated his guts, mm-hmm. but he didn't do anything dastardly in this movie to make himself come off as a villain. He almost came off as sympathetic, you know. I mean, he's he's this guy who he's got all these yeah. women throwing himself at him, and all he wants is Belle, and she keeps denying him. And he's in in no way to me was he he was never like forcing himself on her. It just seemed like he was trying to charm her and his in his own way. And it just, it, it didn't come off as, uh, you know, devilish as the original one did for me. So, yeah. Something know. we, we definitely mentioned in the last episode about beauty and the beast was Gaston really didn't do anything bad. He was just a douchebag, right? He's just kind of like a bro guy that like, uh, just <laughs> don't know why you don't like him, but you don't, uh, this movie didn't help to combat that in any way. If, not, he's super, yeah. He's super, <laughs> He's super it's, charming and strong and, and everybody exactly. likes him and everyone wants to be around him all the time, but still Bell just keeps denying him and we still don't know why. And, um, and another point that, that bothered me was that when, when Maurice comes back and he's raving about the beast taking his daughter, Gaston's the only one who steps up to do anything. And and yeah. he's he's taking his time out, risking his lives with, with the wolves out yeah. there. Oh, and, yeah. and he asked and he asked his father for uh his daughter's hand in marriage, and he's like, Never, I would never give you my daughter. Why would you say such a thing? Of course he's gonna punch him in the face. This beast, <laughs> the beast locks her in a dungeon, and she's like, "Still better than Gaston. Still better choice than Gaston." <laughs> yeah, I just don't, I don't get that. Um, it is funny. It and is. then he does take this really escalated, weird turn. Like he's like, "All right, well now I'm just gonna tie this guy to a tree and leave him to die." Like, Whoa, well, wait a second, wait a second. Like, yeah, that yeah. was not the character that we saw a minute ago. Like, no. it's he's just had enough. I've, I guess I've been frustrated and gotten turned down at, the, at a bar a few times and done the same. <laughs> Like, hey, I was talking to her first, man. Now you're tied and locked up in this bathroom. <laughs> um, I don't know about you, Brian, but I hated this MacGuffin of the magic mirror where they can see in any location, like, show me the castle. And it, you could see the castle. So that way they could find out about things happening without ever, ever 
nobody telling them or having to like send a messenger or anything like that across these vast distances. I thought that was like a Disney cheap way of just like yeah. how to I don't know. I just didn't that didn't, I didn't need that. That didn't bother me because it it because it's part of the original movie. It's like I yeah. I guess that is just part of the part of what I expected and so the the one that are we in spoilers at this point? Can sure. we move into just okay, we're full on and the the <laughs> the aside that drove me insane and it, it if I'm looking for a way to get this down to an hour 45, this is the first place I go is this stupid awful scene where they time travel through a book to (laughs) her old house in France or in Paris and somehow are able to take an object out of it. I mean, that was awful. That was an awful (laughs) sequence. And, and it adds, I don't know, nine minutes to your overall time. Like that could have been cut so fast without any, no one, no one had, there can't possibly be somebody who's out there like, if that scene hadn't been in there, that movie would have stunk. Like, <laughs> get rid of that scene. It is awful. Awful. Yeah, I, I agree. Some of the stuff that I actually like, as far as changes or maybe that they took liberties with, I actually didn't mind, at the beginning, the stuff about Belle's mom. Because we never hear about her in the original. Mm. And I thought that that was a really effective way for her and her dad to bond. And to kind of maybe hint, like we do see later in the film at the end, about who her mom was or how she lost her mom. Uh, I, th- I thought that was effective. And it was something that I was curious about when they, he first mentions her sure. her dad. I was like, oh, I never even thought about Belle's mom. Like, what happened there? And, mm-hmm. you know, how did they break up? And it turns out that the Beast was involved. But it was, um, it was, a, it was a change that I was on board with. Another change was... The mention of the rose early in the in the film and how Belle wanted, you know, told her dad, "Hey, if you see a rose, pick me a rose or whatever." And he says, "Sure thing." And so the rose is is symbolic in more ways than just the petals are going to fall off and you're going to die or mm-hmm. be alone forever. It was like rose, like Belle wanted, like she she wanted a rose. She wanted the the feeling that a rose gave you when you accepted it from somebody. You know, like that meant something as a symbol more than it meant just like a, as a curse in the original. So I, I like the way that they kind of brought the rose into the movie and didn't make it just uh, just an object of, mm-hmm. like, a, it, it wasn't just a, a sundial or whatever it was, or, a, you know, yeah. a, a sand dial. Um, what did you feel about the first part where the witch comes in, the old lady, and he rejects her, and so then that's the curse? Mm-hmm. Um, I thought it was kind of in your face where she's like, it is not beauty you it's the beauty within that you seek, not the beauty outside. And that's like right very, in your face. Very Yoda. Yeah. Yoda, yeah. yeah. And uh Yeah, that look, was kind I of don't, a, it was a weird presentation, but I do think one of the major pluses of this movie uh is bringing a little more depth to the narrative and to what's happening with these characters. I I thought that, that was a good uh that was a good progression. Because it's always been weird to me in the original, in the cartoon, that, like, it kind of makes it sound like this kid was, like, nine when she cursed him. She's just like, oh, you're a jerk, and you're eight years old. Screw yeah. you, kid, you know? It's like, so this was a little bit, it, it felt like You a haven't more, cursed Cooper a hundred <laughs> yeah. times. Well, this is true, but uh, <laughs> that's, he's my kid. I can do what I want. No, um, it's, it's, uh, it, was, it was better off to me to have him be, like, I don't know, whatever, late teens or early 20s where maybe you can actually say like, okay, this guy's kind of a terrible person. Uh, let's curse him. I'm okay with that. And I, I really dug the idea 
and I don't think this is maybe I totally have misread the uh, the cartoon, but or the animated version. But I've never I've never pulled this implication from that. But I I dug the idea that like once the final rose petal falls, all these people revert to uh, to actually being objects, not not alive anymore. Like in the in the cartoon, it always seems like okay, if the if the last rose petal falls, we're all going to be stuck, and I'm still going to be a talking candlestick. But in this, it's very clear of like, uh, if that rose petal you falls, die. yeah, you're done. You're dead. Like you're a you're a wardrobe now for real. You're not, uh, you know, have no soul anymore or whatever. I thought that added some stakes to the whole yeah. thing, and that was a good uh, that was a good development for character and, yeah. and narrative. Because honestly, if I could live with my same personality as a candlestick, I probably would. Like that's not that bad of a curse. <laughs> it's like a medium curse, not a full on. Yeah, curse. like I'm not. I mean, it takes some getting used to, but I mean, if I can still dance and sing and like, you know, watch Mavs games and stuff, but I'm a candlestick. I mean, two weeks tops, I'm over and I'm living my life. Um, As far as the inanimate objects are concerned, it's always the weirdest, most jarring part about the original is that Bell's dad goes to the castle and yeah. he's just completely cool with everything moving around and talking to him. Like he took some weird <laughs> magic mushrooms while he was on his journey. He's like, Oh, this is awesome. But in this one, the dad gets there and everything starts talking and he starts flipping out. And I was like, thank you. Like, mm-hmm. that's how it really would be. If everything started talking, you would not be totally cool and dancing around with the furniture. You'd be like, okay, <laughs> what kind of sorcery is this? I need to get out of here. Stat. Yeah. And that's what happens in this movie. So I really yeah. appreciated that, that the director the, saw that. Right. In the animated version, they cut the scene where he does peyote with Phil Jackson right before. Yeah, he goes exactly. The There's something going on there <laughs> that uh, was not shown in the original, but um, also the inanimate objects. Um, I agree with you, McGregor. It actually took me a while to figure out that was you, McGregor. I kept trying to figure out who did it. Took Ian McKellen was easily recognizable. Oh yeah, and Emma Thompson yeah. too. Um, kept telling Bell to not pass. I really liked the design for uh, the clock. I thought that was really cool how they did the gears for the eyes and everything. I think that was like a really cool practical way to do it. And um, but Lumiere. I didn't understand why Lumiere was two different candlesticks. Like he's the candlestick that that he picks up to go, you know, to find light throughout the castle. But then when he comes alive, he's like a totally different design candlestick. I didn't understand why that was. Did you notice that? Like it's like as if they had a a regular candlestick there, and then they just switch it out. You McGregor in a costume for Lumiere. You know what I mean? Like it didn't. There was no transformation from the inanimate to the animate object. There was like a clear cut and it's a different candlestick, if that makes sense. I don't know. It just, I never bought that. It always felt like he was just Hugh McGregor dipped in gold paint, you know, <laughs> like as the, as Lumiere. You know? <laughs> uh, that was the character design of Lumiere was, was, was uh, pretty weak. I liked Mrs. Potts and Chip. I think they had mm. a fun thing going in this movie, just like the other one. I liked the addition of the, the harpsichord inanimate object i think the uh you mentioned it earlier the, the kind of chest of drawers wardrobe yeah. closet thing was creepy and fun too and the be our guest sequence i guess we can talk about that because it's maybe the best sequence in the film probably animation wise and everything and when you when you're talking of scale and grandeur that's uh that's all my friends have talked about is a lot of the be our guest sequence was was unbelievable mm-hmm. um 
I still think the animated one is better. Um, I don't know. It just hits more of the right notes for me. This is a little too remakey, I guess. I just felt mm. I wanted to be blown away more by it, but I don't know. There's just so many, there's so much that this movie does well, but that the animated version does better. So I'm just like, why, why choose this over that when we have the animated one still? Like, it, yeah. it was a great movie. It was a it was a best picture nominee movie. You know what I mean? Like they're trying to improve on something that clearly does not need improving on, and you're doing you're in fact you're doing it worse than you did. You're adding stuff that doesn't need to be added. Yeah. First of all, they choose they do every song from the movie. They should have from the original. They should have picked and chosen maybe the five best songs. Like as soon as LeFou started doing the Gaston song. I'm just like, oh, I guess I'm going to sit here for four minutes and listen to their version of the Gaston song, which is already the worst one in the original. And now we have to have a worse version of the remake version. And then they add songs too. And by the way, can you sing any of the songs they added? Just sing the melodies for me. All right, you can't no. because they're not memorable yes. at all. No yeah. one is going to write home about those new songs in Beauty and the Beast. I think um, those are from the Broadway show. Well, if even I, if they are, yes, yeah, we don't. The, the need, one with the beast, I think, was pretty good, but the rest of them could absolutely be cut with no, no one complaining. I think. What do you think, had, Christian? I wish they had they, they they had cut some of those extra songs and just spent more time, um, kind of developing Beast's character and his sure. relationship with Belle, mm-hmm. um, because you really don't get any character development from Beast until after he saves her. Uh, saves her from the wolves before that you really you get like what maybe three minutes of him on screen and i don't know it just it it, it doesn't make for a compelling story about him finding his true self and be transforming from you know this ugly person and this terrible person to this person who's finally found love and is a kinder person because you you never really get time to dislike him or be, be afraid of him yeah. or anything like that that's where the that's original that one fails too the original one um I think we talked about it the fact that the beast doesn't really do anything to gain her love other than being a beast in fact he does a lot of stuff to you would think cancel out her love but in, the only in thing the Buffaloes, that's the subtext here yeah <laughs> they don't want to talk about is she yeah. the problem is she's not in the human men sorry guys don't be as perfect <laughs> as you want not her style she's in the buffaloes and this, this guy is- treats her terribly but he's rich and he's <laughs> and he's know, a buffalo they don't tell you that like three weeks after the transformation, she leaves him. Yeah. It's funny. I see this uh, in search of other Buffalo. Yeah. Men. <laughs> There's this kind of quote joke that uh, went around online and it's bell and beast and bell says, so tell me about yourself. And Beast says, I'm a six foot four hideous beast that cruelty cruelly imprisons people for stealing flowers. And bell goes, did you say six, four? <laughs> like, she has no, like almost like, it goes back to the thing. If you're not gassed on, I'm pretty much on board. But in the original, all that Beast does to gain her love is shows him, shows her uh, his library, right? Like that's, oh, you have a library. Oh, I think this might work out. I love reading, you know? Uh, they don't do much to combat that here, but I kind of disagree in the fact that uh, I think this one does a lot better with the relationship of Belle and Beast and them kind of gr- growing fond of each other more than the oh, no, no, no. one. Yeah, no, I, I, I totally agree with that. I, you I, just like, wanted more of it? What yeah. I, yeah, what I meant was that, like, um, before they actually started to kind of grow closer, that Beast, he, he kidnapped her father, introduced himself, and then pounded on her door, and then she ran away. 
And even the scene where she goes into the West Wing, you know, in the original, it's kind of it's it's drawn out. She takes the cover off the rose. She almost touches it. And then Beast mm-hmm. comes in and this one. She just looks at it and he drops from the ceiling and tells her to get out. Right. And and then from there, the movie kind of I, I thought showing their relationship grow was actually done very well. And yeah, that part, they, they, that's when I started to really kind of enjoy the movie. Uh, it was kind of before that that I had an issue with. I didn't think they built him up as a, a terrible enough being personally. Yep. Just big and hairy and six foot four. She actually leaves <laughs> him in the sequel for one of the Duck Dynasty guys. So I didn't see that coming. Yeah. He's a, uh, yeah. Uh, on the inanimate objects point from earlier, what's the deal with the duster being like this weird bird lizard hybrid thing but lumiere is still in love with it did you notice that why not just yes. have the duster have like a female figure you know what i mean like a like it's shaped after like somebody carved it into look like a female right why does it have to be this bird lizard thing that's was, speciesist what? brent i mean Ken, that's I'm so speciesist. sorry i'm sorry i was confused as to why, why they had to name uh the duster lumette because in the original her name was not lumette i think she was she was just like the duster or something. Like I don't know, but she, French maid. She, yeah. They had to they had to draw that connection between her and Lumiere. I guess I don't know. Yeah, so they made her a lizard person. <laughs> um, what else we got? So they remake. Oh, there's the scenes with the wolves are were so dark for me. I don't know if it's just my screen or my theater. No, mine too. It was just so the CGI hard to wasn't watch. good. In it was movie, so to be honest, so tough to get through those film. dark wolf fights. Yeah. Um, and uh, that was kind of twilighty. Yes, it was twilighty. Yeah, which is convenient. Given I, the I also part. didn't buy in the original animated version. How does how does the dad even fall upon the castle in the first place? This one does a little more explanation than that. Like the sure. the path yeah. like gets obstructed, and then they go down a separate yeah. path or whatever. Yeah. That makes way more yeah. sense than just stumbling upon this giant castle in the middle of the way. Right. There was already a path there. So I understand that now. Um, yeah, well, and the the idea that in this fo- this film that uh, part of the curse is that everybody forgets about him in the castle and everything. That's a strong that's a strong narrative choice that adds to the the feel that adds to the reality of the movie. I feel like it works better on that front than the animated one. I think so too. Um, ballroom dance sequence, like I said, they they do that. The tale is all this time thing. Uh, with them in the iconic, you know, outfits and, you were and dress great in that, and everything. Thank that you. Angela Lansbury vocal. Long I'm, as it can be. <laughs> I'm pretty good at it. Um, you were the great song, in the film, too. The song that I actually really enjoy is um, when Beast and Bella are starting to fall in yeah. love, and they do the, there's something there that wasn't there before. I really like that song. I like the rendition of it in this. I just think that's a great. I agree. It's a great Disney all-timer. I mean, it's in the top five, maybe. There's maybe three in this movie that are, be our guest and bell and that are all probably all timers, but that, that one just worked very well in this movie. And, uh, mm-hmm. every time I hear that, I'm like, wow, I forgot that song's in this movie and it's so good. You know, um, loved it. So it's really all I got. Um, we know how it ends, right? We know how it ends that the, the beast becomes the human guy, but he still looks more feminine than bell. I actually still didn't. no. I boycott. I should say I boycotted this. I think I made that clear. You um, didn't see it, yeah. No, I didn't see it. I mean, obviously, <laughs> no, no, yeah. We, uh, we, uh, we do know he becomes a human at the end. Right. The fight between Gaston and the Beast was better here than in the animated movie. Yeah, that's a that's a nice little drawn out 
uh, little battle between the two of them. Yeah. So, um, I guess any other closing thoughts on on Beauty and the Beast? What what uh, haven't I mentioned? I've tried to mention maybe all the all the stuff that uh, kind of stuck out to me. Oh, this is full of Easter eggs, by the way. Nods to the original. I don't think I need to go over all of those, but you should mm-hmm. know. Like the books that she's reading are ones that uh, maybe that were alluded to in the original. Um, the actual edition of the harpsichord was in the original book, I believe, or the original telling on film of Beauty and the Beast. Uh, that's fine. It was uh, it's kind of packed full of those, but again, it, it still felt plastic. Overall, it feels like this is a remake of Beauty and the Beast and not a Beauty and the Beast movie. I know that sounds weird. It just never felt like Cinderella felt like a movie. Oddly. Yeah. I and I, I don't like to compare everything to The Jungle Book, but The Jungle Book was, said, okay, we're going to make a movie, a good movie first, and then we're going to pay tribute to the original, right? Not the other way around. We're not going to pay tribute to the original first and then try to make a good movie, okay? Uh, even the Jungle Book, they took two of the original songs and put their own spin on it. Like, even the songs that they did use here, I feel like they just played the soundtrack in the background and everyone just sang. Like, they didn't even do new recordings of the orchestra or anything, you know, for, like, karaoke in a way. Um, like I said, it feels like a, like fans meticulously remade this. And it's admirable. If somebody did that on YouTube, I would watch it. And I would say, wow, that was really, really admirable that they took the time to remake that shot for shot. But um, Beauty and the Beast, the original, like I said, is a perfect movie. And uh, if there's one that you can take liberties with, I would have thought this would be it, as far as telling their own side of the story. But um, you are risking a lot with uh, people's nostalgic memories of this one, because there is so much much nostalgia and uh, passion built into people's memories seeing it. So that leaves the question... How how do we think the jung- the uh, Lion King is going to go? Because Favreau's in charge of that. And we know what he did with Jungle Book as far as, you know, keeping it tame on the uh, nostalgia overload. But the Lion King is more than this on people's passion for loving the songs. And, and that's probably the number one Disney movie, animated uh, Disney movie ever in uh, people's minds. So where do you think that's going to fall? I think it's going to fall somewhere in between. I think it'll have... More songs, but not all of them, like Beauty and the Beast did. But Disney came out this week and said that Mulan has no songs at all. The Mulan remake. So I'm looking forward to seeing what they could do with that with no songs and making it their own. Because that's a really cool story and a really big scale you could think they could do in live action with Mulan. So look forward to that. But what do you what are your what does your gut say, Brian, on um The Lion King? I have great faith in the Lion King because Favreau is in charge and because mm-hmm. I've seen him do uh, what I know he's capable of doing. I've seen him do it. Not a hundred percent faith though, because Cowboys and Alien. But other than <laughs> right. Stuff, mostly yeah. faith. Yeah. And a weird entourage. Before. No, uh, it's, it's, I think he can do quite a bit of, I, I have great faith in what he's going to bring to the table. That story I think is easy to, I don't know. It feels like there might be more to do with that than there was to do with Beauty and the Beast. And maybe that's why, that's part of why this one is so much of a of a straight shot for shot remake than than uh, Jungle Book or or even Cinderella was. I'm excited about that one. Mulan, that could be. I, I don't I don't know. I don't know how you do that without any of the songs. And I know they're cutting some characters and stuff like that. That means I'm a little more. I think that'll be kind of actiony almost. Like I could see sure. that being pretty cool as a 
kind of female, young female um, mm-hmm. action hero. And I can't wait uh, to see Emma Stone in the role. <laughs> <laughs> it's perfect. Can't wait. Perfect. Perfect casting. Uh, Christian, any closing thoughts on uh, Beauty and the Beast 2017? Uh, yeah. By the way, uh, one more thing. The Beast looks like Will Ferrell in the Garth Brooks sketch where he sells the soul to the devil. Just look that up if you haven't seen it. That sure that's where they got the inspiration for the beast and his look in this, which is not not good, not good. Um, what, what do you what do you got to say? Well, I, um, I'll just say this. You know, despite like kind of crapping on this movie throughout this entire time, um, I, I actually did uh, enjoy the movie. I, I thought it was good. It wasn't terrible. It was far from perfect. But it wasn't terrible. I um, I just think that after seeing Jungle Book and what Favreau did with it, um, I think he set such a high standard. Uh, it's it's hard it's gonna be hard for these movies to live up to that standard and you know seeing um you know the 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 entire movie in jungle book is pretty much all cgi but it looks so realistic and in this one uh it just it just kind of highlighted how bad the beast looked at certain parts of this movie um i wish they went a little more practical effects with them i I don't really know why they why they didn't you got the guy in the in the suit and he's doing the acting I, i don't understand why you didn't use a little bit more practical effects because there were times where uh cgi was lacking in my opinion but i i think i noticed it more just because of how great the jungle book was and seeing the capabilities of it so i True. you know it it, it was it, it's just it's satisfied my need for another beauty of the beast i guess it was a it was a good movie i didn't hate it yeah i think um this is perfectly fine i want to reiterate that i don't see a um necessarily a point in making this actually the only point i see is money um because like i said the original is so good but uh they'd be stupid not to remake this honestly that's perfectly fine uh your kids will like it it's fine for the nostalgia factor um but don't uh, be prepared to not be blown away by it taking any new taking it in any new direction or anything i mean this is a shot for shot pretty much reboot i mean the same lines they use a lot of the times too like they didn't even rewrite the script in parts uh some of the some of the songs like they there are moments in some of the songs that seem spontaneous in the original like especially like uh i need six eggs they're too expensive and things like that in the original that you think oh there's people walking down the street just saying things and to remake that and do the same thing it just feels a little different you know it's like you knew you were supposed to be there. You knew you, you that six eggs were too expensive, right? Uh, uh, that was um, that was hard to accept. Like I thought, if they remade the songs, they were gonna completely rewrite the lyrics, maybe use the same melodies, and do that, and maybe have the same chorus, but uh, maybe not necessarily to the extent that I thought. But this is perfectly fine, I guess, for a family film. Um, but it's not high on my list of Disney live action remakes. So if I'm gonna grade this. Uh, I'll give it a C. Passing grade, fine. Perfectly fine. Sure. Uh, Brian, what are you going to grade it at? Yeah, I'm a quite a bit higher on it than you. Um, I think this is certainly not Jungle Book, but I, I think it's on par with uh, with like Cinderella and all that stuff for, for all of the uh, flack that maybe we've given it. The, the highs are really good. And I there's four or five musical sequences that I think are... are as good, if not better, than than the original, at least in terms of uh, the way they're set and and shot, and just the 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 overall feel. Obviously, the voices are not 
nearly as good on any, pretty much any of these actors are, are all worse than uh, the animated versions voices. But, but the, I don't know, there's something to seeing it on screen in a live format that, you know, the opener, uh, I love the tavern. I don't think we talked about the tavern mm-hmm. song with, with Gaston and LeFou. Luke Evans and, and Josh Gad both are so good. So, so good in this that it, you know, some of that trumps anything else that, uh, that might be wrong. I thought Be Our Guest was better in this than it was in, uh, in the animated. And I'm, I'm quite a big fan of the, the animated one. The one song that, sequence that I felt like was lesser, truly lesser than all the others. And I was most disappointed by was, uh, was the, the ballroom scene, the, which is very iconic in that. In the animated and this one felt um, kind of underwhelming to me personally, but um, you know, I can, I, I just think, I think if somebody else is in the role who I, who is interesting on screen, I think the, the whole movie is different and we're looking at it in a different light. Um, but so for anyway, for me, I'm going to go, I'm going to go kind of the same grade that I gave Cinderella. I'm going to go with a B plus um, and just be, have to be content with that. I, I feel like there, it could have been, I definitely feel like there's ways this could have been significantly better, but I'm not, um, you know, I'm not overly disappointed in what was on screen. I just, you know, there's things that I, I would have done differently or I would have liked to have seen done differently, but, but it is enjoyable. And, uh, the song sequences are, are pretty, pretty great in a lot of ways. And so I, I had a pretty good time with it. Richard, how about you? Yeah, I'm just going to, I'll go short and sweet. I, I think it's, uh, I would go on this probably I'm way in between a B minus and a B. Uh, I'll be caught up in the magic. I'll just go with a straight B. Christian, what about you, my friend? Thank you for coming on. Your input was awesome. But what is your, this is the real grade. What is your grade? And and this is what, uh, you know, get ready for some serious Twitter backlash. So, all right. Well, I just want to say that if, um, if, if they had really included the uh, Mark Ruffalo twist at the end in this movie, <laughs> it would have bumped it up to probably a You're solid right. A. But oh, uh, because, because they didn't, they were kind of missing Gaston's that. Gaston's the beast the, the entire yeah. time. <laughs> I got yeah. you, Bill. I told you I'd get you eventually. <laughs> <laughs> Since they they missed that opportunity, I'm going to go with a straight B and, and say that My it's man. perfectly fine. You know. Yeah, no, I agree with you totally. Cool. All right. Well, Beauty and the Beast, the remake is out now. Brian, I'm sure you'll be seeing this a lot over the next few years. <laughs> sure. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, maybe that's, maybe you know you, you can stand watching this again. So that bumps yeah. it up in your grade. Um, yeah. That doesn't help. But doesn't I, help. I compare this to like Peach Dragon last year. And I, I think I made that comparison earlier. But like Peach Dragon just made its own, it was its own movie. You know, it, yeah. it no, was I based totally on agree. the original. But it, I mean, there's, there are two ways you can go about this. There really are. And this was the other way. Um, so, Good stuff. Let's uh, hit a quick weekly recommend before we get out of here. Boom. Weekly recommends. I am going to recommend the Chappelle stand-up specials. Oh, you Richard. jerk. Stole mine. It's okay. Uh, you can, Did you, you see can them recommend yet? Do one. Watch, I assume you've seen them. Yeah. No, no, I haven't. No, I haven't. But I'm going to recommend them because of your recommend. So, Richard, yeah. which one would you recommend of the two? Uh, the LA one's better. They're both great, but the first one, which is the LA one, which is uh, the era of spin or the age of spin, I think is called, is awesome. It's like almost if Killing Him Softly is a ten, which it is, this is a nine point two. A really good stand-up special. The the one in Austin is a little more like meandering and more casual, 
and cool in its own way, but it's not like a tight hour like like the uh, the uh, LA one. There, but if he's back, man. Goat though, it's awesome. He only got like fifty million to do those two, something I think like that. Sixty, but I think there's a third. There's a third coming later in so the year. Twenty million uh-huh. each. Okay. Yeah. Did you, did you all oh, see? So Amy basically, Schumer's... we get paid for every podcast. That's cool. That's good. Yeah, I'm glad I mean, he's making our kind of money. For him. You know, he can. And in the and the, also the Texas one is a little. You can apparently he recorded it years ago and then just like canned it and then waited for someone to offer him money and then just sold him the special. So there's like some there's like a lot of Ray Rice humor and stuff like that <laughs> because it's clearly from like 2014. But hey, get that money. Funny. Uh, have you all seen the Schumer special on Netflix yet? Yeah, it's yeah. It's called yeah. the Leather Special. She is. Um, I don't know if she says she's falling off, but that's. That's some of the weirdest stand-up I've ever seen her do. Yeah, it, is it feels like a, she had an off night or just a weird, like, I'm going to experiment with this material. Not a, uh, I'm filming my next special night kind of thing. Um, definitely different. She's definitely raunchy. I will say that. But um, Yeah, check out the Chappelle know. special. But they're awesome. I will. But I will recommend Peach Dragon on Netflix. Uh, it is on Netflix now. So anyone that didn't get it uh, this past year... It was all up. of you. Yeah. That was pretty much all of you. Yeah, but we talked about it on the show and really enjoyed it. And uh, it goes right along with our conversation we had tonight. So, if you got kids, you got little ones, or if you just uh, if you like good movies, Peach Dragon is worth your time. I was blown away by it. And um, yeah, check that out on Netflix. Boom. Uh, what about you, Brian? Recommend. Yeah, I'm going to recommend a book. It's called The Last Days of Night by Graham Moore. It is a, it's a novel based on uh, historical fact and research and whatnot. It's set in 1888. It is about the the battle over the patent. I know this sounds super boring, and I apologize. It's, it oh, sounds like... <laughs> patent fiction, my favorite. Mm. Uh, it's got its own genre. Uh, it is a patent fiction novel uh, about the battle between... Uh, excuse me, uh, Westinghouse and uh, Thomas Edison over the patent for the light bulb. Uh, And the main character is the lawyer for Westinghouse. And so it kind of goes back and forth. There's a lot of, there's a a heavy amount. Graham Moore did a lot of research to try to like really base it within the reality of the world. Uh, Nikola Tesla is a big supporting character. It's really, it's, it was a, it's a, it's an easy read, but it's also pretty, pretty well written. Um, like the best of the best kind of beach read, I would, I would say, or like air, airport read, um, good audible listen as well. If you're, uh, if you're like me, if you're into, uh, into the audiobook side of things, but, uh, yeah, it's very enjoyable and, and, and an easy read. And, um, sometimes that's, that's all I'm looking for. So, uh, last days of night by Graham Moore. Christian, you got a recommend for us? Uh, yeah. Um, I'm going to go ahead and recommend a show that was just recently added to Netflix called, uh, Lucha Underground. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's a, uh, <laughs> my language. It's a, it's a professional wrestling show. Um, but it, it's done in such a different way than what you would see on TV right now. <laughs> it's a, uh, it's a, it's a serial. It's more of a serialized drama almost than just a pure wrestling show. So <laughs> even, even if you don't like pro wrestling, um, giving it, checking it out, I, th- I think you may find something that you enjoy with it. That can be, if you, it, maybe this can, we can get away for Brian to watch like four of these and then have to do a podcast on it. <laughs> I'm definitely got to go on it. There's we'll like 39 Christian episodes. On again. We'll have Christian on again and he can do it with Brian. Here we go. <laughs> if, um, if Brian had gone to Mania with us last year, he would be all in. It's like, yeah, you, you missed your sure. chance. You missed his, there was one, there was one shot. 
I know Cooper. Coop, Coop will be into it someday. So <laughs> yeah, we're getting Cooper into wrestling. That's <laughs> our job as our as his uncles to do. Yes, I'm gonna fight this tooth and nail. He doesn't. He doesn't know the 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 stylings of the Rock and Stone Cold like we did when we were his age. But yeah, I think uh, Dean Ambrose and Chris Jericho are <laughs> quite a good replacement for that. This needs to wake up every morning to a single bell, <laughs> and then emerge from bed. <laughs> The Lights creepy guy under his off. bed. You can be Coop's advocate and just pump him <laughs> up everywhere you go. Okay. Where can we find you online, Brian? You can find me on the Twitter at bgill 12 and you can find my writing at madaboutmoviespodcast.com and the Mad About Movies Podcast newsletter. Christian, where can we find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at aka underscore mole. Um, and that's really it. I don't write anywhere. So. <laughs> Cool. That's fine. Richard. You can find me at uh, Richard Barden on all the little mm-hmm. social media there. Instagram, Snapchat, Twitter, all that fun stuff. You can find me on Mad About Movies Podcast, uh, dot com and Mad About Movies Podcast Newsletter, which should have a new issue just around the river bend. Uh, that's, uh, that's from Beauty and the Beast, right? And Kent, where Pocahontas. can I find you? Oh, no. Well, I'm pretty sure, it's pretty sure it's Beauty and the Beast. Uh, Kent, where can I find you on social media? You can find me on social media on all platforms at Kent Garrison, all one word. And uh, find us online at madaboutmoviespodcast.com. Fill out your brackets. And uh, if you like what you hear, yeah, vote for Dark. If you like what you hear, leave us five stars on iTunes. Tell a friend. Hit subscribe. Keep the show going. Buy a t-shirt. Buy a a t-shirt. Yeah, they're almost gone. Buy a t-shirt. Support yourself. Support the show. Thank you to the sponsor. This week for their deal that they're offering you to take advantage of that. And until next week, I think we're talking life, not to, not the old movie life, but the new movie life. Uh, I've been brushing up. up on Martin Lawrence. Yeah, yeah. I know you have you have your Lawrence trivia um, to work <laughs> on. Good thing about me, I love that. That's one of my favorite, like low key. I might have seen that movie more than anything because it was on Comedy Central like daily for yeah a decade. (laughs) I mean, there's some pretty boring parts in it too, but like the core of that movie is pretty great. So we'll be talking about. I think we'll double dip next week. Life and and Power Rangers. You guys excited? Oh gosh, is that this weekend? Yeah. Yeah. You ready, guys? Suicide back time. Let's do this. Well, if there's anything (laughs) to compliment Beauty and the Beast. Richard and I are talking Boogie Nights later this week, so check that nice. out uh, on the uh, throwback. Uh, not for children's ears, by the way. So that's that's one for the uh, for the adults. That was a mother doll. That was. All right, you're a star, Richard. You're a big, big bright, shining star. <laughs> Thanks, man. Thanks a lot. Until then, until next week, we'll see you at the cinema. Bye. 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 Hey, baby, I hear the blues are calling Tossed salads and scrambled eggs And maybe I seem a bit confused Yeah, maybe, but I got you pegged <laughs> But I don't know what to do With those tossed salads and scrambled eggs They're calling again Scrambled eggs all over my face They're making me yeah, yeah.